a person who shows fear or timidity. Coward. Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. And welcome once again to Entitled Weekend. This is your boy Shaq, along with Dan, Bill, and General Steve. Uh, hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend at, well, as it continues to go on. And uh, before we get to anything else, we have some business to settle here. Um, we here at Entitled Weekend, just like our mothership flagship program, Entitled Town, we subscribe to the model of the great Rick Bettino and that we're going to be positive every day. And doing so entails tackling head-on people of all shades of Pat's fandom. And that means shoe pissers, pants pissers, and us homers and bobos alike, as well as the mediates who egg them on with their constant state of nonsense. And that also includes fake media, such as blogs and bloggers, you know, people who pretend that they think they know everything, but they don't. Uh, like a, a couple of certain spulpits who decided to run their gums this week and decided to call Belichick a coward. Of course, this is the first time that a blogger has done that, mind you. But I, I'm, I'm calling them out. Uh, I, I know I know there are a lot of people who who will be like, "Well, you're just giving them attention that they want. You're being like." The, but if I don't call this stuff head out head on, they're going to continue to want to talk mess, and that I cannot tolerate. Um, so, uh, Dan, I, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, when I when we saw when we saw the tweet and we're talking about the tweet from uh, now I'm forgetting his name what's what the what the heck's his name now Brian Phillips Brian Phillips right Brian Phillips yeah whatever he wants to be called yeah so. right yeah yeah a big brain big brain Phillips who uh, you know I, I, as soon as the Patriots clinched the number well the uh, first uh, place in the AFC East on Sunday. And well, actually, well, maybe not on. Yeah, actually, yes, on Sunday. One of the first tweets to come out from anyone was, "Well, if the Patriot, well, if Bill Belichick wasn't such a coward at coaching the games in October, then they would have been the number one seed in the AFC." Oh my God! Oh my God! Before before I go off, uh, what did you think of that tweet? Because man, I, if if if, if there was, a, if, they, if, if you know, Twitter has spaces and Twitter has all of these new functions. If Twitter had a punch somebody out function, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to go to one of his spaces. I can't even imagine. I actually kind of want to join. I, I think we should just bomb it. We should just join us. If he ever does a space, bomb it and just annoy the shit out of him. Because oh you know what? Like, I don't think he can handle actual uh, interaction actual backlash i mean twitter's easy if if you're just hiding behind the handle and i mean look at look at what he said someone said you got to be kidding me here you're going to question bill i mean he's one of the best coaches in the league and he said they lost to dallas because of bad process what the fuck does that mean process. bad process that's not what? even a, what? that's not even a thing man it's What's the process? Like, are we, this is Joel Embiid shit? Like, trust the pro. like, what process are we talking about? 
he didn't, I, I think he's getting at, you didn't trust your quarterback enough. So that's the process. Like let him just cook. Yeah. A quarterback, were. a quarterback who's in his fourth professional football game or fourth or fifth playing against, you know, some very big time opponents. Yeah. I don't trust him. Yeah. But go, I don't trust him, but I, but I'm, but I'm starting you, but I don't trust you. Come on. But, but go back to September. They lost a game that they really should have won and had nothing to do with Bill with a fumble to the Dolphins. And I mean, now it's, and that's a funny thing. I mean, we, I could spend a few minutes on that with everyone saying that Dolphins lost looks worse and worse. Actually, oh, that Dolphins lost doesn't brought it up again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, losses and wins don't look better or worse. They are what they are. It, it, it is in stone at that they point. Don't they don't change anything. Out of, no. As long as it's not a tie kissing your goddamn sister sort of shit like the Steelers. But, like, they, they lost that game to a decent team who's a divisional rival that's always had their number. I mean, at, at least in the last decade, they've had issues with at least splitting the games with them or getting big upsets with Miami. And everyone was crazy about Flores last year, and all of a sudden he's not good anymore. But they're back in the hunt. They're technically in the hunt. So it's not a bad loss. It's it's fine. It, it is what it is. It's a, it's a loss. But back to what you're saying, Shaq, like this whole thing is like the Monday, Monday morning quarterback is annoying in general, but we're doing it all the time. We're especially Patriots fans. And this goes way back. This goes back to why we're spoiled, entitled. You know, we're entitled. <laughs> we're an entitled town. But like, you can't just appreciate good things. You can't just like the fact that we were in the first in the AFC East. I mean, this morning I saw someone tweet out, oh man, now we're the fifth seed again. Oh yeah, because the Patriots could have done a lot last night because they didn't fucking play. Like, this is just the natural state and they're going to play later this week. I, just people just don't understand what's going on. I, it's, I swear, people just don't even watch. They just look at, they literally look at Twitter and see what other people are saying and say, I agree or disagree. Like, just look, watch the games and form your own opinion, for God's sake. It's it's even beyond that. It's a lot of the, the media that's out there will tweet these things knowing full well that they would never ask that question to never. Belichick in reality. They would never no. question that in person. And... Furthermore, they're ignoring the data that tells them that the Patriots are in a oh, position data. where they should be going for it less because oh. of their special teams' expertise. They've crafted a team that should go for it a little bit less because they're more likely to kick the ball deep, pin them back, get the stop, and get them the punt. If you're going to be more successful at making that stop than other teams are, you should go for it less. It's basic math. It's basic logic. And the fact that they think that, you know, the median team going for it a median amount of times is what Belichick should be prescribing to is why they'd want like Dan Campbell to be the, the coach of our team. Like that, that's exactly it. They want them to be the risky, sexy play. And it's, it's the most ignorant thing you get from the media is a lack of understanding of the roster that's built and of the decisions that they've made to sort of go against the grain in a lot of different ways as a team to be successful. But again, this isn't even the media. This is a blog. This is Pat Fulvick. It's there. I'm sure they're credentialed in some way, but it's not. It's not media. I, and if, I if, mean, if, are, are, are they yes. are they credentialed? I mean, I I know Mark Schofield writes for them sometimes. I I, I love Mark Schofield, but yeah, like I good. don't like anyone else. I don't like anyone else over at over at Pat's pulpit. Like I don't see them at press conferences or anything. Like. 
that that Brain Phillips, Brian Phillips, who calls himself Brain Phillips character, like oh he works he writes for Pat's Paul, but all he does is talk shit about Belichick on Twitter. I've never seen oh. this dude at a press conference able to ask questions. He's, you know what I mean? And he's not he's not a check mark. He's not he doesn't have yeah. anything substantial. I mean, I think he's I mean, I'm not gonna crap on four thousand followers, but he has four thousand followers and he's I will. Yeah, 4,000 4, bullshit followers who only – and by the way, all these guys, Rich, Rich Hill also, I'm calling him his ass out too. The, these football analytics crowd, like they, 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 they bow to the, to the altar of football analytics as if that is the only thing that determines whether or not you're supposed to do something. And then you're turning around and calling somebody a coward because they didn't do something that the analytics told you to do? Are you kidding me? Well, you, it's, would, it's, it's, you would yeah, never it's, say this – yeah. No, he would. You would never say that to, to. These guys don't have any balls. I mean, these are. This is sort of like a millennial thing, and, and to another extent, it's the fact that everyone loves to be contrarian. They love, for some reason, the cool thing is to be contrarian, and then everyone likes to jump on that bandwagon. That you know, get all your pitchforks out and everything. Like Bill Belichick is like the town Frankenstein. Like, let's go fucking kill Bill for being a good coach, and he messes up. One time, but did he mess up? If if his call was right, everyone praises him. It's it's one of those things that his margin of error for Pats fan for these types of Pats fans is so small, but it really should be much bigger because of everything he's already given you. I mean, like if he wasn't still good, that's that's one thing. He he's kind of just earned the fact that he's the coach that he is. But it's not even that he's still good. He's a, still a great head coach. He's probably still the best. And we can talk about that in a little bit about how he still leaps and bounds better than anyone else, no matter what you want to tell me or how many coaches you want to give media fellatio to, it doesn't matter. Like he's still the best head coach in the league and I will take him any day over whatever else is that there is in the league. And these guys just want to say he's old. He's in his sixties. He shouldn't be doing this anymore. He doesn't, he's, he's, Oh, he's got nepotism because of his son's, all that shit, just like, dude, you, you are so spoiled. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Dude, so to, to go to your point, um, I mean, I, after uh, there were so many just earlier this season times they were calling for Belichick to be fired like because he didn't he didn't go for it on fourth down against the box and he he kicked he tried to go for the field goal. He so, traded oh, Gilmore. Gotta, yeah, we traded Gilmore. We just got to fire the coach. Okay, last night. We watch. We all watch the Cowboys. Be uh, have so many penalties, so many miscues, lose themselves a game that the Raiders were like trying to hand back to them at the end. Now, when we we look at this game last night, there was remember they kicked the extra point and then they got a penalty, and instead of adding that on to the kickoff. McCarthy decided he was going to take the extra point right. off and go for, go for, and two. Go for two. Yep. Yeah. They lost the game by three points. They had, they had the game when it, they had a game tying field goal with a couple minutes left. If they'd had one extra point and they kicked that field goal, they would have won the game by one point. Yep. But no one in Dallas is calling for Mike McCarthy to be fired right now. 
Now, listen, I, I think that's a great point, Stephen. I think that a lot of people misunderstand the term coward. Coward doesn't right. mean I not just, doing what you what, yes, what people what you want, want you to do. do. And I just played I just played uh, at the top of the show the definition of coward. A person who shows fear or timidity, a person who is not brave and is too eager to avoid danger, difficulty, or pain. Because that that is what the word that you choose to use for Bill Belichick. <laughs> Seriously? A Bill Belichick, the one person who everyone was yelling in Super Bowl 49 to take the time out. That's the guy you're calling a coward? Yep, he oh, yep, please. that's that's the thing. It's that everyone wants to use this term coward to represent when somebody doesn't do what they want them to do. Going for fourth doesn't make you brave if the numbers, if the analytics tell you to do it. Because a coach is going to hide behind the analytics to avoid a lack of understanding of situational football and of their roster construction. This coach understands his roster construction. He knows what he wants to do. He knows the right times and moments to apply pressure and when not to. He's proven that time and again. Shaq, you mentioned the timeout. Um, you know, before you mentioned the timeout that led to the non-timeout that led to the Butler interception. Um, you know, fourth and two against the Colts comes to mind as an instance where that didn't work, but he applied pressure in an unconventional situation that he then got crushed for, which in today's day and age, he would be called the coward for not doing, I would imagine. So we're, we're talking about the word coward, meaning I want you to do what I want and you're a coward if you don't, as opposed to the ability to hide behind the analytics to protect yourself from criticism, to say, I'm a good coach. I follow the analytics. If we're all going to follow the analytics, then all of us on the podcast should be head coaches because I can just look at the data and it will tell me what I should call. Kevin Falk got that fourth down against Indianapolis, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's the, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. Yep. <laughs> I, I completely, I, I, completely I, yeah. agree. I've been saying that for years. Let's let's run down the coaches yesterday for today yesterday's game. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three games. Six coaches, and probably five <laughs> out of six of them blow. And the media is going to tell you that they're at least seventy-five percent of them are great which is what are we doing? Like, I mean, Shaq pointed out the praise for Dan Campbell on a winless team, just because, just because the lions play on Thanksgiving every year. That's the only reason why they did that. They, I mean, that's pit. That's just pity praise at that point. I cannot believe, I cannot believe Aaron Andrews was on television saying, uh, what, what did she say? Uh, they don't feel like a winless team. They don't yeah. They don't feel, feel like, like a winless, winless team. team. Like and it. then, and then I, I don't know if it was Romo or, or I don't know if it was Romo or what was, was that on Fox? Yeah, that was on Fox. So it was Troy Aikman or one of them said, I wonder what yeah, Dan Campbell's gonna what what is Dan Campbell gonna pull out of his hat now? A loss, that's what he pulled out of his hat. Yeah, no, because Romo, Romo was on the Cowboys game and they were like they were like fondling the balls of the Dallas Cowboys and they were losing. Romo, yeah, Romo Rome. wanted the Cowboys to go for it on fourth and one at their own fifteen last night. I just want to point that out. But I, what do the analytics say? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I think I don't know. I think too many like, people. I, I want, think too many I people saw that ESPN to, I story. See Tony Romo as a head coach now, because like I saw Michael Hurley like tweets on about it, and he was like, "The world needs that kind of chaos." And, like he's absolutely right. Like, I want to see Tony Romo fucking going for it on fourth down at his own ten yard line. Tony Romo would just be a young Pete Carroll. The call you agree. Yep. The, the, the greatest <laughs> head good, coach that's of all time. That's a perfect example. The greatest head coach of all time would not, in the eyes of the media, would not roster a punter or a long snapper. 
and would go for every fourth down and go for a two every opportunity. Maybe never even kick a field goal, perhaps. Everyone saw that ESPN story. Remember that high school coach that was going for it every fourth down? And everyone thought that was like the great, the greatest thing ever because he figured out that like the majority of the time you can convert the fourth town. Well, that's just idiotic because at some point someone's going to ruin that for you, which I'm pretty sure that has happened at this point. And everyone has this idea that the analytics say, oh, over 50% of the time you can convert. Well, go further with the math there because see what happens when you do convert, you're not going to convert every time. That's, that's why there's a certain percentage there. Right. There's other considerations. And I'm pretty sure that that coach might've gotten that idea from an episode of young Sheldon. I saw a commercial for one time. So, I mean, let's, right let's up, call right a spade up, a spade. Right after the, the, what, what, what is that? Cleveland Super Show, the equalizer on CBS. Yes. Oh my the, God. I, I, I've, I don't I've, even I've, get shot yeah. on that. I've <laughs> gone to calling that the advertiser because I'm pretty sure that's all it is. It's all commercials. It, there, there's no other reason they're putting this much behind the Queen Latifah detective show. It's got to be that every part of it is an advertiser. Is it, like the, is it called the equalizer because she uses equal sugar? <laughs> and, and, well, then we need we... a split spinoff, the splendorizer. <laughs> half, half visor. But um, I, we've covered two topics at once, but to put a wrap on this one, um, I want to, speaking of the greatest coach of all time, I want to put, and, and there are a lot of media members, and there was a, there was a tweet earlier this week about uh, a criticism that Belichick doesn't give us anything, but here's a 690-word uh, uh, question answer about uh, Adrian Phillips, because, of course, if you ask him Belichick a football question, he'll give you a football answer. If you ask him, uh, you know, Ben Volan, if you ask him about what's it going to be like to play against Stephon Gilmore, then he'll tell you to fuck off as well he should. But here's him talking about how scared that people think that he think he may be. Yeah, I mean, I know, look, fourth and one on a 20 yard line. All right. You can say a lot of things about me as a coach. OK, and I, I'm sure you do. And so do a lot of other people. OK, but I'm just telling you guys something. One thing I'm not is scared. Now, are we going to go for it every time it's fourth down on our own 20-yard line? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm not afraid to go for it if you guys give me the confidence that we'll pick it up. That's it. That's it. So, so that right there, he's telling you what he, what, what's going to happen. If he feels confident in his team, and by the way, that's his job description. I don't know if you knew that. If he feels confident, then he's going to do it. If he doesn't, he's not. And Steve, you and I were at the Bucks game, and I can and we were sitting separately, but I can tell you, the whole crowd was cheering like crazy when when uh, Nick Pope attempted that kick. We didn't know he didn't make it, but it was this close to, to being good. So that that kind of stuff happens all the time. And so for people, for you to call him a coward, you will never say that shit to his face. Don't start no shit. Won't be no shit. Period. Yeah, and I mean. Everyone wanted him to go for that fourth down there against the Bucks, dude. I, you were there. I was there. It was fucking pissing, fucking. Rain. Oh my god! When, as soon as, as soon as he attempted the kick, it started pouring. Night. You, the Bucks had just started tightening up the middle of the field. That broke it. Everyone's like, "Oh, you could have just thrown a slant." Oh, like you had the play before that got broken up because they read it immediately. No, you didn't. They didn't have a play they loved on fourth and three, something like that, in the pissing rain, 
with their quarterback making his third career start against the defending Super Bowl champions. Sorry, they didn't have a play they loved for that. And he went for a field goal with a guy, Nick Folk, who has turned into one of the best kickers in the league since he's been here with the Patriots. So, I mean, has Nick Folk missed a field goal since then? So he might he might have no maybe, I think he's missed one. an extra point oh, I think okay. he's missed an extra point but not a field goal no and it, it what it comes down to is you know with the media talking about you know looping it back to the Belichick is a coward thing and the doesn't give the the you know media anything when they ask questions you know if you what maybe your questions just blow maybe you don't know how to phrase a question because if you ask Belichick oh you know why didn't you go for it on fourth down there well that's a stupid question. Because he thought it gave his team the best chance to win. And he's going to tell you that's a stupid question by giving you the most lean answer he possibly can. But if on Wednesday... They could ask him something about coverages and he'd go on for like 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. Even even if you just asked him, you know, the fall on Monday or Wednesday when he does media availability, what does, you know, what goes into the decision-making on a fourth down? I guarantee you, that he's going to talk about the situation, the, the conditions of the game, the weather, the, you know, have we already used plays that we would be saving for these critical situations? How far ahead or behind are we? What's the time, you know, what do we anticipate in terms of our defense being able to get a stop if we aren't successful? And he'd give you the robust answer you're looking for. But if you just ask him, why didn't you go for it on fourth in that situation? We thought it gave our team the best chance to win. Because you're not asking him a procedural question, you're asking him a gotcha question. And the Boston media has been really good at asking gotcha questions for a long time, and Belichick's been real good at shutting them up for a long time. Can you imagine Bill Belichick coming up to the podium and saying, we're we're our dumb football team? Can you imagine Bill Belichick calling his quarterback, you're stupid? Can you imagine Bill Belichick coming up to to the podium and saying, we're just not good? We suck. We're terrible. Biting a kneecap. Do you do you, do you imagine that? But that's what the media wants. They want they want people who will do their jobs for them. They want a Mike Plus, Tomlin. I, I against, that, that's uh, my favorite thing about that Bruce Arians quote. Uh, he's like, "Oh, we're a dumb football team." Yeah. No shit, Bruce. That's your fault. You're the coach. Who's, whose fault do you think that is? Talk about a cell phone. Yeah, like sure. Well, we. We don't seem to be well coached. That's basically what he said. Oh, okay. Um, great talk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about it's all about a, a comedy show. They want a, a, a in living color death comedy jam. You know, showcase at the podium. They want a, a Rex Ryan. That's what they want, and they're not going to get it from the other tech. And so they they just have to deal with that. As far as I'm concerned. All right, I'm done with that. They, they can go fuck themselves as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now I want to go to, uh, to a, a topic that we wanted to talk about last week, but we didn't have time. Uh, the taunting rules. Uh, it's been going on all season long. The rules, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're bogus. They're terrible. But the way they're enforced is also terrible. Uh, but that's the NFL. So what can you expect? So, uh, Bill, I know you wanted to talk about this last week. Um, it's funny how the reaction to the the rules have been totally uh, constructed as in a way to <laughs> for people not to for people not to even care. But of course, again, anything involving the Patriots is when you do care. 
Right. I mean, these taunting rules and how they're enforced is ridiculous across the board. And it just, what it does is it sets up a situation where fans cannot <sighs> trust that a big play will hold up at any point during the game because anything could be taunting. Every time I see a Patriots player pop up, point for a first down and drop the ball, I'm like, they're going to flag them. That's what my immediate reaction becomes. They're going to flag them and we're going to lose 15 yards. And it's not the Patriots players' fault that they're excited about making a big play. It's the, fe- fa- it's the fault of the referees and the absolute ball-washing support that they get from coaches, from the retired officials, and from the media, where it's like, oh, no, this was an obvious call. This was the, great. This was that. The most arguable call was Cassius Marsh, who I, you know, I hope he's having fun. Um, but he, was his bumping into the referee who like hip checked him and not only, then they find him for it. Like, I hate that guy, but that was absurd that he got flagged in that way and then got a fine. It was just the, the perfect example of how this can, is going to be used in some critical situation and screw a team out of a win in the playoffs or the regular season. That ref backed up on Cassius Marsh. Like a girl, a drunk girl in a bar that wanted the free drink to get grinded on. That, that's He just backed it right up into him, swung mm-hmm. it. Like, I mean, it was so apparent. And then he, he seemed, he like clutched his pearls after the way he threw the flag. Like, oh my goodness, you accosted me. I felt <laughs> <Nice> that. Stars. <laughs> oh. Stupid. And, and like, you know who I keep thinking is going to get one is JC Jackson. Cause he, he does like a certain thing after he, you know, he does the shutdown thing, but he kind of does it for almost too long. And it's almost like he he's testing them to see like, does this warrant a flag almost? Cause that that's the type of guy he seems like he just wants to test the waters a bit. Um, but uh, you know, for the most part, the Patriots went from this undisciplined team to all of a sudden, probably one of the more disciplined teams in the league. Uh, especially with this. And I think Bill's been coaching them up on this. I mean, Bill hates this rule. We know that. I mean, there's a video clip where he says, if you make a great play, damn right. You should be pumped up about it. You should get amped up about it. I mean, I forget when that was, but you know, he's down in front of all the players telling them I'm okay with you celebrating. I'm okay with you getting amped up. Like that's the whole point. If you execute it well and you, you know, got a guy in the backfield, you intercept a ball, you turn the ball, whatever you get a touchdown celebrate it get a first down whatever it is and now like these guys have to you know pent up that emotion and you know what this emotion's doing it's now spilling over into other areas like i feel like there's been more i wouldn't say fights but there's been more chippiness in that sense because they can't get it out in these other ways and i think that's a part of i mean look at the raiders cowboys game that there was a fight that almost broke out the ref got he was bleeding from the chin from that whole scuffle um, I thought, I thought they were actually going to eject the two guys at that point. Cause I said, if that's, if the taunting rule is one thing, like, like, what are they going to do here? I mean, it's almost like, you know, the refs are almost like LeBron James in the NBA at this point. They're just pointing to people telling them, no, I don't like that. So you're, you're gone or here's a foul. If you're going to find a way, if you're going to find a way to like make this rule realistic, then there's two key pieces you have to assess one you've got to have a five yard option you cannot have everyone 
like if you're standing, if you walk over, stand over a guy and drop the ball in his head, yeah, give him a 15 yarder. I get that. That's unsportsmanlike conduct. It's taunting. Give him the 15 yards. But if somebody's excited and might go like a hair over line, like JC Jackson, you're exactly right. He likes to toe that line. I love him playing with that confidence. But if he goes a little bit further, I don't think that's a 15 yard penalty. That like if somebody said that's a five yard, I think a lo- there's a lot less you know, sort of pearl clutching from the fandom saying that this rule is, you know, ridiculous. If there's any reason that it should be something less than 15 yards and err on the side of giving it five yards, it's still something that's going to hurt the team in the length of the game, but it's not going to totally derail a drive. It's not going to change field position in a robust way. And the second piece is that you need to actually put rules in place for what you can and cannot do. Because what it is right now is it's the Supreme Court's rule on porn. It's we know it when we see it. And that's ridiculous because the, the players don't know what they're per- trying to prevent themselves from doing in celebrations. They can, you know, row the boat in the end zone and, uh, you know, dish out Purell with the ball as a prop, though two years ago they couldn't do that. And it's like, that's fine. But find the like you've got to start to make real examples of what can be done and should not be done because taunting being the same penalty as like hauling off and like hitting somebody with a helmet or you know punching somebody in the face is ridiculous or or just ripping someone's foot off their their body like Mac Jones but it, yeah but you know yeah the- but yeah but you but you can also you can get you can talk but you can but you but and that's a fine or that's a penalty but when you put out a hit on somebody and say tell all your defensive brethren to you know, do yeah, work. All good. That's all fine. And then Brian yeah. Burns, Brian Burns gave Heineke the the, the backbreaker the next yeah last yeah, next game. Go. Did I we hear anything about Kokina that? Clutch. Did we hear did anything not. about that? Oh, okay. No, but the the main point the main point is the league is way too much of a subjective rule. Now it's 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 all about what's your opinion on what happened here versus just black and white what happened here. That's mm-hmm. that's all we need to know is did you break the rule or not? Not do you think he broke the rule? And, and this goes back. <laughs> this goes back to like Roger Goodell and the way he disciplines the league with punishments. There's no precedent. There's no, you know, <laughs> there's there's no rule book anymore. Like you could Google it and it, there's a rule book. Throw that the fuck out the window and and bury it six feet under because it doesn't <clears> exist. <throat> it's all about subjectivity now. And it's they're letting the refs have way too much influence. The game, they already did have influence. And now it's just like the ref is like, well, this is my game. I bet the under I will control. I'm, I'm going to do this now because I don't want to lose money. It, there's just so many things that are just so suspect in, in what they're doing. I mean, and bad coaches love the rule. Wasn't it Nagy who came out and said that he supported the rule because kids watch the game because his kids watch the game? Bullshit. You like that rule because it could set your bad team up in a better position if the good team makes a play. Yeah. Don't somebody, give me please. this. My kids watch the game. Won't, no, won't one's, somebody, no one's talking on the Bears. Won't somebody please think of the children? Please think of the children. Not at all that my terrible-ass football team that all wants me fired You know, the you know, first time might benefit I saw... from the call. The first time I saw Randy Moss moon the Lambeau field crowd, I went out and I shoplifted immediately. I said, you know yeah. what? Like that instilled you, pure you know, crime in me. You know what's funny? I immediately snorted cocaine for the first time. <laughs> you know what I did? Yeah. You know what I, I did? I oh, You know, I, I punched an old lady out when Ray Lewis did his, you know, squirrel dance. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. When, 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 when Joe Horn pulled that cell phone out, I, I actually went on a killing spree. Yes. Yes. I immediately I, I, I spent I, I 9 dollars like a minute. Three bodies that day, dude. Like, 
<laughs> I actually go so upset with one of the celebrations I saw. I shot someone and handed the gun to Marvin Harrison, and then I, I took it back. Oh, well, yeah. Well, he, he's a pro at doing that type of thing, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of, you know, this being, you know, podcast number three, and we've used the Marvin Harrison gun reference twice. I just want that to be known. That's that's a that's a really impressive ratio, and I'm here for it. Marvin Harrison and Ray Lewis, like, in all the marks. Yep. Yep, we are. Oh, love to see it. Well, speaking of hitting the marks, we got to hit some type of a mark. So I, I know, again, I know this is really weird for the Entitled Podcast Network. We don't have ads, but um, we do this week. So we'll be right back. ...of listeners on 98.5 The Sports Hub, it's the holiday season. What better way to celebrate than attending... Boston Sports Media Stars on Ice at the TD Garden with special performances by Greg Bedard and Adam Jones in Jonah and the Whale, except Jonah spit out for being anorexic. Ted Johnson probably won't show up because he can't find the stadium due to CTE. Big Jim Murray does a performance of Snoopy's Choice except he chooses neither kid and hopes your kids don't show up to this as well. Tony Maserati does a mashup of Stuart Little and an impersonation of the Angry Bagel Guy. Scott Zolak with Blow. And finally, what should be a riveting performance, we have Joe Murray, Dan Lifshatz, and Mark Bertrand in Heavyweight, and then Lord of the Flies, where we hopefully they all die. And for the big main event, we have Arkin, McCarthy, John Wallach, and Flynn all doing a live performance of The Human Centipede with Mike Felger at the front. We hope you can join us soon. Tickets are much too expensive for any of this, but please join us. Love ya. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Sports Media. Stars on Ice. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster. No charge, except for if you want to pay $985, which you probably shouldn't. <laughs> job, slow, man. slow clap. Just beautiful. <laughs> slow clap. Oh, yeah, no, nobody, nobody told us we don't have fun here, do we? Um, all right, so now let's get to the Titans. You know, another another test for the Patriots. This of what this is the ninth consecutive test that the Patriots have had this season, and uh, it's funny now that the Patriots have gone from irrelevant to overrated. Now the Patriots are, you know, they're they're the team. You know, everybody's hyping them up too much now. It's it's too. And I and I, I guess I can see where a lot of people are coming from as far as that's concerned because it's still, you know, it's still late November, early December. There's still, and this season especially, plenty of games to go. But boy, <laughs> um, the Titans. Uh, first of all, can, can can fans stop it with this mentality of, hey, you know, AJ AJ Brown is currently hurt, and they're like. I just want the I just want him to be back. I need the pass game to be close. I need them to be close. Shut up. 
I, I want the pass the face tough challengers and the other team to be a hundred percent. Who says that? Like what type of a fan? Like the win, the win counts regardless of who, who plays on the other side. So I, I've never understood that mentality. Like every team faces every type of injury. It, it's, it's crazy to me, but anyway, um, the Titans, I mean, speaking of injuries, uh, I'm going to go to Steve first with this, uh, Derek Henry, as, 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 as anybody can obviously tell you, he was, he was, he was on his way to probably offensive player of the year until he got hurt. And the last three games, the Titans have, you know, I don't know, they, they just haven't looked the same. And you can, and a lot of that has to do with Ryan Tannehill. And for me, I say, I, I know the kids like to say this word, but I think he's mid, and he's just—he's just—he just doesn't impress me. Yeah, um, I, we finally, I think, saw it catch up to Tennessee last week um, against the Texans of all teams. But I, I said it right when Derrick Henry got hurt. I didn't think Ryan Tannehill was good enough to carry the load offensively for that team, even with. AJ Brown and Julio Jones because Derrick Henry's just mere presence opened up so much more for them because you have to stack the box to try to stop Derrick Henry and that doesn't even work Uh, it makes it so much harder to cover back there and it I mean like yeah like you said you, you saw like I said you saw it catch up to them last week I mean the thing is Everyone now was going to be like, oh, man, the Patriots played the Titans without Derrick Henry, without A.J. Brown. But the Titans just rolled over the Rams a couple weeks ago without Derrick Henry and without Julio Jones. So, well, I, I mean, did it make a difference that week? Did the Rams lose to a bad team? No, no the one's Rams going to say that. No, the Rams lost to a team that's talented, and the yes. people don't t- people don't want to acknowledge that the Titans are a talented team because they're talented, much like the Patriots are. With Vrabel being sort of a, a loose descendant of Belichick here, they're talented in the trenches. They're talented in the in in the middle of the field. <laughs> yep. And people don't want to acknowledge that because those aren't sexy positions to be talented and deep at. Mm-hmm. They still have a good offensive line. They should and run. A well-coached team. Right. They should run fairly effectively with anybody back there. But when you've got the menace that is Derrick Henry in the backfield, you're going to get a a historic season from him. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to run the ball this week. It doesn't mean that they're going to always have trouble. It means that they're not going to have as many opportunities to break a big play. They're not going to have as many opportunities to sustain drives, and it's going to be harder to score, which speaks to the Patriots playing a clean game this week and speaks to the Patriots pinning them deep and maybe not going for it on some of those fourth downs that people would be clamoring for them to, to pin that Tennessee team deep, much like they did last week with the Falcons. You know, bold take? No, I don't. Wow. All right. Well, you know, bold take. I'm, but you I mean, know, I guess I wouldn't. Hire I'm, you I'm a coward, I guess. My, yeah, I wouldn't hire you to coach my high school team. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I almost take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny. Uh, yeah, it's only you're, only you're only a coward if if you don't. And that was a great point that you made, Bill, earlier about not them not doing what you want them to do. So. They'll just have to deal with it. Um, and Dan, look, and I, I would give this to Bill, but you know, he just go on and on about him. So I'm gonna let you go on, Dan, about 
this Patriots defense, their problem for opposing offenses, and I'm not even talking about the secondary. I mean, the front seven is where they live and breathe. And the Titans are the fourth most sacked team in the league. And so uh, Matthew Judon, uh, just pretend that Ryan Tannehill is a, is a 10 of macaroni and cheese and <sighs> just go nuts <laughs> because that's what, what's going to happen, I think, this, this week. Um, and yes, over the last – I, 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 for the Photoshop of Mac cheese on, on Ryan Tannehill's head. <laughs> but I, I will say, you know, I, I feel even better today because I know Barmore practiced today. So he's going to, it yeah. looks like he's trending to play this weekend too. And Barmore wrecks games in the backfield faster than holiday meals wreck Mark, uh, Greg Bedard's um, awaken 180 diet. So, <laughs> you know, he's going to rebound real quick, but Barmore is, He's, you know, it's amazing that we've talked about this so much that it's amazing Bill got him. It's amazing that uh, he's even better than I think people thought he would be, especially in his first year, because he's not even playing like a rookie. He's playing like Richard Seymour in his third or fourth year. He's he's just he I mean, I, I remember Richard Seymour as a rookie and I don't even remember him like this in his first year. Um, I think he's got the most pressures by a D tackle since um, Ty Warren. I think yes. he's um, he's coming up on it. He he is in the running for defensive rookie of the year right now. And him and Judon, I mean, I love how Judon's taking him under his wing. I love how there's that Alabama presence brotherhood on this team. I mean, Damian Harris said today, like he had Barmore over for, thanksgiving dinner yesterday and I, I just think there's so much cohesiveness and chemistry in this team that it the it, it feels that way on all sides of the ball but the defense especially they're all celebrating each other when they do anything and that's pretty typical but you can tell they they're so happy for each other i mean you go back to the jacoby touchdown in the end zone the whole team ran over you see like Judon when he gets a sack van Noy's right there to celebrate with him now i mean i think this team gets closer and closer and i think that helps them pick up on plays, um, adjust. They can, you know, signal things out when they see a certain uh, motion. They see a certain move going on on the offense. They point it out, and it's like they're just – they know immediately. And, and that's just dedication, and that is practice. And it goes all the way back to coaching. If we want to go back to Bill Belichick, this comes from him. It trickles down, and everyone's in. We said it last week. They're all in. They're buying in. And I think where this team matches up well with the Titans, I mean, what are you going to say? There's no, there's no one. I mean, I think the, back to what the, the main, uh, the mothership said this week was the biggest misconception in, in NFL is that when a player is injured, a star player, that the next guy up isn't capable of taking on those snaps, of taking on the targets or the tackles, whatever. And I think that still applies here. And I think that's what, you know, Bill was saying too. And, and Steve is just that just because they don't have these big star names like Julio Jones and AJ Brown doesn't mean the next guys up can't step up. You know, there's still going to be someone probably getting open at some points. I mean, I would hope that the Patriots really lock them down, but it's typical to Patriots defensive plans too, especially in the first drive. We saw that against the Browns where they kind of let things happen a little bit. They kind of just see how things yep. open up and yeah, then they, they adjust. Yeah, they see what you want to do. And then yeah. 
Yeah, that's kind of been, that's kind of been a Patriots thing for the last, you know, however many years. But you know, no matter what, you'll always see, oh, my God, they suck, even after the first oh. play. The worst, the worst thing possible for Patriots Twitter is when the other team scores on the first drive and it's trade him. This guy sucks. Oh, High my towers God. washed. So bad. Get rid of this guy. Don't give JC that contract. He just let up a catch for four yards. It, it's the whole, it, it's the, you know, everyone pees their pants all at once. It's like, don't go chasing waterfalls should be going on as, as the first drive because it's just pouring out piss. In, in gallons, like the, the amount of, and the things that people start posting and then three quarters later, they're posting like, this is the greatest team I've ever seen. It's like, Jesus Christ. We just yeah. saw the tweet from an hour ago of you just <laughs> losing it, wanting to trade the whole roster. I mean, that, that that's what, and it goes back to the spulpits too. And they start the whole thing. They're just like, I don't want to be the one to break it to you. I don't know who's ready to hear this, but Hightower is not good anymore. And literally the national media, like we, you know, Steve talked about it with, with Baldy. He's right. breaking down that high towers making plays. Like what, what are you looking at? And, and that's because, the point. It's because high tower is in a position now that he's not, you know, making, and again, I've said, be, say sexy more bill, but it, it, he's not making the sexy plays. He's making the smart huh. plays. Let's the person who's in sexy. that, the people who's in that more floater position that's allowed to make more those more impactful plays this year has been Kyle Van Noy. Mm-hmm. And that's been the person who's been getting more of the acclaim from Patriots Twitter because he's made those more impactful plays. And in part, that's because this defense plays to the strengths of Van Noy more than it plays to the strengths of Hightower. But Hightower being such a versatile player. I mean, to be fair, yes, he hasn't, he, you know, he's been retired since August, but for a guy who's actually not absolutely. And that's, yeah, he's actually, I think he's having the best season that a retired player has ever had in NFL history. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the stats on that, but I have to believe that's true, but I mean, mean, Brett Brett Favre retired, but he didn't have any stats. So I think you're right. right. Yeah. 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 No. And I mean, you know, you know, it's it's that situation where people want to look for the sexy play. But getting back to the like the Titans Pats matchup root of it, it's real. What it really comes down to is the Patriots. I don't see the the piece of the ball. Like I don't know that there's like um, a large margin between any particular aspect of the game. But they have Adrian Peterson, three... Bill. They have Adrian Peterson. Uh, oh no! Didn't he get waved? He got waved. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah, he wow. got waved, but okay. they got three. But in back, all back, three, back to, be, back to beating a three-year-old kid. Anyway. Yep, but in all three phases, I think the Patriots have the edge, and especially now, I you know people are going to look at the AJ Brown and oh wait the wait ghost I of, forgot one the, more name one more name uh, Golden Tate Golden Tate like they, they've yes. got all the names. He's on the practice oh. squad. wait wait go, wait Golden Tate is on their practice squad. He still exists. <laughs> that that changes everything. Yeah, I can't take but, the Patriots to win this game. Golden Tate's <laughs> on the team. Yeah, I know. I mean, but, you know, they're going to talk about A.J. Brown and the ghost of Julio Jones being out. The bigger loss. Ghost of Julio Jones. It's true. He has not been the same player this year, and the Falcons were right to trade him. Um, But McNichols is the bigger loss that got ruled out today as well. Because that's their that's their third down back. It reduces the depth of that position. It reduces people familiar with pickup on (laughs) coverage that's an opportunity for that really talented defensive line the pats have to feast because they're not strong at tight end they're now not strong in um running back pass blocking and so they're going to run into some trouble here protecting Tannehill, which is going to lead to mistakes 
And I think that's the key to the Patriots winning. I think they treat Tannehill much like a rookie quarterback and they blitz a lot on Sunday. I just have, I have to envision that's the way that they attack this, this offense because it'll stop it and mitigate some of the runs and it will force Tannehill into quick decisions. I a hundred percent agree. I I think you're going to see him do to Tannehill what he used to do to Tannehill when he played for Miami, which is uh, humiliate him. He knows he doesn't have anything. He knows he knows there's nothing magical that's going to save him. Like, if there was an A.J. Brown, there's a chance that A.J. Brown comes up with a lot of big plays that still keeps them in the game. But he knows there's none of that now. He's he, Everything is kicked to the side. So it's really on Tannehill to be more than spectacular. I mean, back to your point, is treating him like a rookie. I mean, he's going to do what he did to Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's going he's gonna to just be like, just you win the game. You show me that you can win the game and he's not going to be able to do it, especially against this defense and never like, let's go to the most overrated part of this game, which I think the media, especially the Boston media is infatuated with is Mike Vrabel, the Mike Vrabel factor, like Mike Vrabel owns bill. Like he knows, Oh, he's the only Patriots player ever that really busted his balls. So he owns him. And I, and people think that Belichick is on the sidelines. Like, Oh, remember the time he ribbed me in front of the whole team? Man, I still think about that. And then, oh, he looks up and they scored because he missed the point. There's no, there's no <laughs> intellectual edge here that all these media mediots think, you know, exists right now. I think Mike Vrabel is a good coach. He's a great coach. But the infatuation with him is back to the other coaches too. Like, oh, he's got that manliness about him. He he doesn't take any shit. He you know he he doesn't he, he doesn't treat the media you know, like all these other guys is like, that's Bill Belichick. You're just looking at Bill Belichick in a, in a different form and, and you're, you're idolizing him. Like he, he's the same, he comes from the same cut from the same cloth. I mean, literally was coached by the guy. And yet you want Mike Vrabel over Bill Belichick. I mean, Toucher and Rich there, that's all they talk about is how much they'd want Mike Vrabel here as a coach over Bill Belichick. It's like, this, this what are we doing here? Like, so just because, want- yeah, go ahead. They'd, they'd want a coach inside Adam Humphreys. Yeah. That, that, that's, that, that's the coach they want. The well, one who the, said, I value, I value Adam Humphreys. That's why we are where we coach. are. Come on. That's why we haven't won a Super Bowl since 2018. Cause we didn't sign Adam Humphreys, but obviously, yeah, and we didn't draft AJ Brown. I mean, that's, that's the one thing I'm so glad I don't have to hear about on Sunday. No offense. I don't want injuries upon anyone, but the most annoying thing on Twitter is when they go, we could have had AJ Brown said Nikhil Harry. It's just, it's yep. people can't let it go. Or like Justin Jefferson. It's like, oh, yes. I mean like it's a miss and that one does hurt, but like, it's like, dude, fucking let it go. All right. Like, Move on. There's so many other right. things we hit on. There's so right. many yeah, other right. things. I mean, like, yeah, I would, I would can't rather get it AJ Brown over Nikhil Harry. That's, not that's not a debate that's not a that's not a discussion worth having but like you missed no and go if like times you miss yeah and you know monday morning quarterbacking you know as dan said early earlier the monday morning quarterbacking is absurd and we get that in the drafting as well like bill belichick looking back probably wants aj brown over Nikhil harry i don't think that's a bold take but i think that Nikhil that doesn't mean that Nikhil harry doesn't provide value this year and it doesn't mean that you know yeah and it doesn't mean that the that the team, you know, it doesn't mean that the analysis of the situation was right. It was just an incorrect projection because these are still developing athletes at the age of 21 mm-hmm. and people develop differently. And we have to understand that as part of the assessment process that leads to misses. It, it just, it is what it is. 
I would say Nikhil Harry, I mean, by all intents and purposes, is providing more value now than he ever has. And even though it's not, in, it's not on the catching side of things, and I get it. Oh, wide receiver, you're supposed to catch the football. Yeah, well, when they throw him the football, I would hope that they would do that more often. But when he ca- he catches it, he doesn't drop it like other players who play for the Patriots who've dropped footballs. But, you know, when if you watch him, his blocks are, you know, are, you would think they were catches because he's a, big, he's, a big guy. he's a strong guy and yeah it goes back to people saying they didn't know how to use him it was like his first two years in the league were so unconventional so many things happened that did not go his way I mean first year Tom Brady he was injured for the first half of the season almost and then he had to play catch up with a guy who didn't want to play catch up with him and then he goes into the second year with Cam Newton in a COVID year, I mean, there's so many factors. People just hate context. They just yes. want to see it like, oh, this person said this, so yep, they're washed. They either suck, yeah, they blow, or they're or they're a pro bowl. That, that's the only know, three I, things. I, I stand by. I'll die on the hill, man. A Tom Brady froze Nikhil Harry out of the game plan. Fucking, uh, there was right when he came back. There was the game against Houston, and it was. It was Harry's fault. He let he let a defender blow right through him on a slant road. And the guy picked off Brady. After that, Brady just refused to throw him the ball. You know what? Guys aren't going to get better if you don't throw him the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what it is. It's that's, and- he, he 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 didn't get he didn't get reps after that. We and whole, we could do a whole episode just about the killer area, I feel like. I feel like we, we, we could do we could. Uh, we could do, we could do a whole episode on the moping of Tom Brady that led to roster oh, decisions. God. Like we could do we could do a, a pod series just called "Man in the Arena," Nikhil Harry, and just we we yes. might have to do a full episode on what what something I'm going to bring up in final thoughts. Okay, well, as far as far as reading it right now, and I'm just wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, is this breaking news? Well, well, yeah. Say that for final thoughts, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as far as as far I know, you uh, one of you guys mentioned uh, Bedard. As far as uh, Christian Barmore, I would say if, if you aren't paying attention to his play, he it's amazing. But as far as Bedard is concerned, I had no clue. Yeah, so he has no clue. At all, at all. So, uh, and just one like more thing Gronk- about just like Gronkowski, I don't see it. No, at all. <laughs> and uh, one more thing about the Titans. I mean, we've talked about them offensively, but defensively, I mean, the, the Patriots have established themselves as a running team. They've had a hundred plus yards in seven straight games, and they don't, you know, and it's not a surprise. It's not a a thing that oh this is what you have to do. They're just bullying teams. They're they're running over people right now, and I expect that to continue. And the I know Tennessee's ranked ninth in passing rush D, so you know whatever pick your poison as far as that's concerned. But I'm sure the Titans will make it a focus on stopping the run, and that's when Mac Jones will. I mean I know everybody's been asking for them to unleash Mac Jones, so. Maybe that maybe this is the day when that happens. So, it, it, I think it's important for the offensive line to continue playing well, and the threat of the run will help that. And the defense won't be, won't be able to pin their ears back and rush Mac. So, you know, maybe they let up some big runs that way. So, I just want 
the Patriots offensive line keep doing what they're doing and keeping Matt Jones upright? Well, Trent Brown looks like he's playing. So right there, if they can still use on when you as, uh, you know, the sixth guy and, and steamroll people, like I think of the Browns game where the Browns have a great defensive line and they ended up rolling them on that. And I, I think the, everyone looks at it. I feel like a lot of people just look at fantasy football and they're like, well, this person didn't do that great against them. And, you know, that's, that's how they hype up the, the defenses. Sometimes it's like, there's different ways to expose a defense in the run game than just up the gut or anything like that. There's a lot of other things you can do. Um, I think this is a Stevenson type game plan. And I think they're going to go smash mouth on I think they can easily do that still, especially with this O-line. And the other thing that people forget is that secondary blows. They suck. Like, and I hate to be the Tony Maz of this pod right now saying that, but like, Really, one of their starting cornerbacks right now is Janoris Jenkins, who's just not good. And I think they're like the 25th ranked in terms of passing. So I, th- I think this is a team you can expose, to your point, Shaq, in both the run and the, in the pass game. I think you can also bully that secondary in the, in the screen game. So I think that you could see a lot of like using aggressiveness against them. I think I mentioned that for the Browns as well because talented lines aggressive lines that defend the run well are prone to being hit hard specifically by tight end screen but you know obviously running back screens are a big part of the Patriots offense as well so you could see some of that Um, but I could see this being you know another opportunity if Smith is fully healthy for Smith to have a real breakout game which I know we've been waiting for most of the year and I think was sort of poised for that uh, Cleveland game but with him being banged up, that sort of hurt. So I, I could see a lot of that screening occurring as well because that definitely sets them up. They're pretty similar to Cleveland in how many rushing yards they let up per game. I think it's only like four or five yards per game difference. Um, and so they, you know, that's not the end-all be-all for, oh, they have the same numbers. They'll do things the same way. But they're both sort of that aggressive move-forward defense that can really be exploited with the screen game. Listen, I don't want to see any more checkdowns, though. Uh, screen passes and checkdowns don't get style points. Yard throws. Yeah, only fifty. We can only use fifty-yard throws. It's like a. It's like a. You know, it's like one of those dude perfect challenges. Watch us win an NFL football <laughs> game only throwing fifty-yard passes. Honestly, I hope. I hope it's the most boring, goddamn game of all time. Like, I hope I, we. Yeah, run I every just play. Hope we grind it down, and yeah. I hope it's another like. If even if it's like a 25 13 to nothing, yeah, yeah, what, whatever. What I, I don't care as long yeah. as it's a win, I don't care. I don't care what the final score is because if you beat this team, you know what? They're everyone's gonna pivot, everyone's gonna pivot. And yep. I think it starts with you didn't play anybody, it was a depleted team. Well, the Bills are the next team, the Bills are the ones, okay, yeah, that was but, the midterm. Here's the finals coming up. Like, this is this test is even bigger than oh. the last test. Oh no! What now we're gonna, gonna, and, then, and then we're going to go to graduate school when they play the Bills the next time around. Oh, and then the Colts right. are going to happen. That's a pop quiz because no one was ready for that. Because <laughs> no, right, right, right off the bye. Right off the bye. No one's no one's ready for that. But just note that we're not going to get credit if we beat the Bills. If we win these next two games, the conversation is going to be that AJ Brown was hurt and that Trey White is out with the hurt. ACL, yep. and we got lucky. Uh, just putting that out there into the ether. I'm not saying we automatically will win these next two games. It's football. Anything can happen in a given week. I do think the Patriots have a real good shot at winning both of those games. But if they do, it's not going to be 
that the Patriots beat the Bills. It's going to be that the Patriots were lucky the Bills were so late on their schedule. We'll talk more about that next week. But that the Bills team without Trey White is that defense is so much worse without him. And that is a I don't that is a huge loss. It. Yes, I no, don't want to overstate is, it, but it's like he is a. I mean, as much as Bill, Bills fans, this is what Bills fans are going to do. They hype him up so much. He's the best cornerback in the league. But now that he's gone, they'll be like, oh, we'll still, you know, it'll be fine. Like, it's that whole meme with, like, the happy face, but you're crying behind the mask sort right. of thing. Like, like they're saying, we'll be fine. It's, you just lost a guy that's probably an all-pro, all pro-bowl caliber cornerback who was not just great in the passing game, but also in the running game for you. And you can't mm-hmm. downplay that right now. And it, we'll talk about it more, but now you don't have him for two games. Now, we, it, It's one thing if they got to face this once with mm-hmm. him but now it's two games without him so it it changes the game completely i, I don't want to overhype it but it de- definitely does no that's uh, fight me i'll die on this hill that is the second most valuable player on that team right behind josh allen yeah. Diggs is, Diggs is incredible Diggs is incredible as a wide receiver but a wide receiver does not make or break the game in the same way that a lockdown corner or a quarterback does losing that lockdown corner is a massive loss for that team and cannot be overstated. Yeah, it's big. So we'll talk about that more next week because and I'm sorry, the way Josh Allen looked last night, I know they won big ish, but I'm not impressed impressed by him, not impressed by him at all. Uh, So we'll talk about that next week. Um, we have one email, even though it technically isn't ours, but as the executive producer of both Entitled Town and Entitled Weekend, uh, I felt carte blanche to take it anyway, because this is a perfect question for this show. And it's from Jonathan Ellsworth. He says, hi, guys. First time, long time, as they say. I live in Denver. Ooh. So, so the pod is a bit of a lifeline in the seat of the low Broncos orange. Unfortunately, I have my radio on. Ooh. Ooh. Game of Thrones, shame, 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 shame on you. Uh, I have my radio on at times, and I just don't get the Kyle Van Noy heat. The radio man act like he's some scrub when all he does is make plays both in the game and in the community. He also recently was featured in the Wall Street Journal for Real Estate Savvy and seems game to do media. He seems like a good interview, and all they do is dump on him. What dog did he kick to earn the 98.5 hate? Oh, boy, Jonathan, you've asked a perfect question for this guy. Let That's me tell you. question. Let me tell you something. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> we all know when, when Kyle Van Noy was signed, and I'm going to uh, link to the article that I wrote on what was formerly BJBSJournal.com, which is now the 15net.com. Make sure you click on that for uh, Patrick Scartelli's uh, jump drawer, which is obviously the best column in Boston, I, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, enough promotion. Uh, I'm going to link an article to, to, the, to the article that I wrote about this exact subject. And I called it Season of Choice, The Players or the Radio Man. And it was about Kyle Van Noy specifically because he's a fan favorite, one of the most dependable defensive players the Patriots have had, I would say, over the last five or six years. And one of the reasons I believe that he's so loved among the fans is, like you said, Jonathan, his willingness to go after them. He not only goes on those shows, he goes after them, both local and national, for the things that they say. Now, there are some people who, you know, they confuse this as being, oh, well, he's sensitive. Why doesn't he 
why doesn't he take that as a thing? But you can't react to something that, and I said this in the article, you can't react to something that isn't about you, especially when you're in the public eye. If somebody's going to respond to you, you're going to have somebody text you saying, hey, look what they're saying about you on first take. Look what they're saying saying about you on 98.5. And oh my goodness, I have, I have clips on the article about it, but I have to play a couple. I mean, look at what these guys, and you know who I'm referring to when I say these guys. Uh, say about him. I mean, it's just this is crazy. Here the other day, Vinoy's improved. I, and I hate to say it because I, I, you know, I think the guy's been wildly overrated here the last two years, but he's improved. Well, I thought he used to suck. I don't. He's elevated from suck, in my opinion, to serviceable. Yeah, he's decent. I think he's sort of is what he is. I think he's a, you know, a, ser- a serviceable player. I don't think that he's a star, but I, I never really understood, you know, your. So I don't like Stowski like uh, oh, last year he sucked, please. and he sucked worse the year before it was degrees of suck to me it's personal I've never met him but every time I hear him open his mouth I'm like you are a tool um you are an ass where, where, where did you not think necessarily going to disagree with that thank you well like uh, I, every time I hear him talking like where did that attitude come from you suck and you can't and if it wasn't for this team you'd be covering punts in Detroit you suck well where do you get that attitude could have used someone covering punts assassinating the character of a person you've never met in person. You only get to Where do that on two come from? You only get Felger's to do that attitude. on Felger's attitude came directly tied to the silver spoon in his mouth. <laughs> it, I, I do not... I, like, I agree, Shaq, that the his outspoken nature and willingness to go against the media grain does lead to some of it. But I also think a large part of it is that he goes directly against all the narratives about how Belichick brings in talent. He finds people that have not been utilized correctly, that are very talented football players, brings them into the system and uses them correctly. And they cannot stand the fact that Belichick has answers to a test other people don't know that they're taking. And that's the most distressing part for the media when they can't untie this narrative of, oh, if it didn't work in Detroit, then it couldn't possibly work in New England. When they also say Detroit is a junk organization that hasn't won in so many decades, when they say that, no, you know, Detroit is a garbage organization. And it's like, well, maybe that has to do with the people that are running the organization and not the players that they're bringing in. So he is the perfect opposite to those narratives and proves them wrong in so many ways that they have to dismiss him or they will not be able to continue the arguments they've made on the radio for the last decade. And talking about Van Noy and John, again, you mentioned about his charity work, uh, Kyle and his wife, Marissa, they're both co-founders of the Van Noy Valor Foundation, which according to their website, encourages personal valor in the lives of adopted children, those in foster care and disadvantaged youth by armoring them with success through resources, mentors, and opportunities. And because of this, he was recognized by the Patriots by getting the 2019 Ron Burton Community Service Award. Yeah, what a piece of shit he is, right? Yeah, what a tool. I think, I think the two guys that hate him the most on the sports hub, other than Maz, he doesn't really count. He's not even a, a full human. Um, it, it, Mike Felger and Fred Toucher, two of the people who love to hear themselves talk more than anyone are projecting about an athlete who is outspoken and has a personality back to Bill's point. Like, I think they are jealous. They don't like the fact that he's not, he needs to be a top 10 player in the league to show that that's what they think. 
and they're not watching the games if they don't think he's good. I mean, he was a hot player coming out of BYU in the draft. I think he was a, was he a second rounder? Um, I mean, he he was supposed to be a very legit, impactful linebacker coming into the league. He went to a franchise that mismanages almost all their talent. And Bill saw a player that was being underplayed and undervalued. And he does what he does best. He turns them, turns their value up. And then he went and got a huge contract and they talked about it. You know, previously Bill talked about it last week, like he's made his money. Now he's just here having fun. And I think with that confidence and that's, you know, that contract not above his head, he can kind of just play freely and he is playing his best football. He's probably ever played as a Patriot since he opened his mouth and called them the boogeyman. But, you know, he, he's playing great football. He, and back to your point, I think, I think the thing about this team, it, it goes back to the word team. This team is so cohesive on defense. You're seeing certain names on the stat sheet, but there's so many guys who are doing a great job. And they're just certain guys who are taking advantage of that teamwork. I mean, Judon is a beast in general. Barmore is a beast. But a lot of these other guys, it's when everyone is executing their job, like they talk about for so long, do your job, that there's guys that get the reward of what's at the end of that play. And that's a more of a team effort than an individual effort. And I think Van Noy was taking advantage. I, I still think not to downplay what he's doing, but I still think that just that defense as a whole is functioning so well, so high level that people are trying to downplay him as an individual versus understanding that this guy is doing his, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. He's exactly where he should be and better in, in going beyond. So I think everyone is just, they, back to your point, he does commercials. He wants to be in the media. So, oh, this is a point I wanted to bring up. So he was actually on Tom, I'm not going to say his middle initial, Tom Curran show. I'm not going to say E because it's fucking stupid. Nobody <laughs> says their middle initial, their fucking name, you idiot. <laughs> fucking ginger fuck go fuck tom senior and alex jim j bullock that's what that's that's what i think of <laughs> and he was with mego who's terrible who's like who's like a dumpster fire charlotte wilder like jesus christ where'd you find her and the fact that he's on that show just tells you he wants to be in the media and i think these guys are threatened by i think they're scared he's going to be a regular part of the media and now you're going to have another guy in new england that's going to be quote unquote, a Bobo, like a Matt Chatham, a guy who's going to be pro Patriots. And they all hate that. They're mm -hmm. all afraid of that. And I think that's what he wants to do is he wants to live here. He wants to stay here. And I think he wants to be in the media and everyone's shitting their pants over it. Cause he knows they're going to, he's going to continue to call their card. Exactly. And just to finish this, um, I'm going to, I'm going to end this with the last uh, sentence that I wrote in my article that I, about, again, I'll, Posted on Enti at Entitled Weekend, the Twitter page. Uh, I said, which side are you on? Who you got? Athletes who not only give it their all on the field for your favorite football team, but give their all to the towns in which they play by providing help and services that would otherwise be non-existent. Or tattooed bald eunuchs, fat slaws who gamble and claim they play tennis, and old white men who cover themselves in napkins in 60-degree weather. The choice is yours. Which one do you want? You can get with this or you can get with that. All right. So with that out of the way, uh, let's get to final thoughts. Uh, Steve, 
<laughs> we, we, we left on a cliffhanger. What's going on? Yeah. Well, well. so first of all, I, I did promise that I'd say about Rodney Harrison. I'm, I'm going to glance over Rodney Harrison because I stumbled upon something here. Um, Rodney Harrison 1,000% deserves to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. I do not give a shit about team Hall of Fames. Um, I talk about this every year. Uh, Rodney Harrison has more sacks, more picks, more tackles, more rings than John Lynch. John Lynch is already in the Hall of Fame. There are two players in NFL history that have over 30 sacks and over 30 picks in their career. One is Rodney Harrison. The other is Ray Lewis, a murderer who went into the NFL Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Rodney's not in the Hall of Fame because he was rude to sports writers who don't like him. And that is 1,000% the only reason that Rodney Harrison is not in the Hall of Fame. Um, speaking of bad sports, so I just, I didn't know this was a thing. Um, there's a book out uh, called The Arm and the Fall. I don't know if any of you guys know what I'm talking about right now. Uh, hey, so no, don't, gonna, don't even mention him. He, he's, not, he's not even worth a mention, but dang. Just, Terry, Terry, there's no so, lessons on this podcast, so you don't if, need to listen. If, if Quentin Tarantino had spent 30-something years as a sportscaster and decided to write a novel, The Arm and the Fall would have been the result. Go get your hands on it and read it now before the inevitable movie. So he talks Gary about Tangway's, Gary Tangway's gripping thriller, The Arm in the Fall, hits you like an adrenaline shot to the arm. So, so the story, the sports world is shocked when the star quarterback of the St. Louis Rivermen, Danny the Arm Wilcox, falls to his death days before the championship. Following this tragic event, washed-up TV sportscaster Jerry Cushing finds himself covering the biggest story of his career while dodging bullets and falling in love. What should be an open and shut case of suicide seems like anything but in the eyes of Detective Rocky Suarez. Needing a foothold in the sports world, she hooks up with Jerry to investigate her lead suspect, the owner of the team. The hard-nosed detective and the overhill sportscaster form an unlikely duo in business and in pleasure. And in pursuit of the truth, Rocky and Jerry find themselves... Hold on. I, I feel like you have to stop here because if we keep reading, then... You know he's gonna he's gonna ask us to pay, and I'm not I'm not I don't want to give Jerry Tainway uh, one red set of my money. No, no the city. They find yeah. themselves embroiled in a world of amputated limbs, Russian mobsters, and sinister religious gurus. Yeah, remember what I said earlier about the Supreme Court thing about porn? You know it when you see it. That's Tangway porn. He wrote his porno about himself. And put it in books. Like, what is what is this book? What is what is porn's being alerted to the FBI? That's that's what's going on. But I think it was I think it was Mike from Route One pointed out today. He said that uh in the book, apparently he calls one of the characters, I think is is it Cushman or Cushing? Yeah, Cushing. He keeps keeps switching between Cushing and Cushman throughout the book, and the editor never caught it, so the name keeps changing (laughs) and they let it get published. All right, all right, enough, enough, enough. We can't deal with it. Bill, your turn. Final thoughts. All right, we are at Hall of Fame season and nomination season, and so this is probably going to be an annual thing for me. 
Ron Borges should not be the person that presents the potential Patriots to the Hall of Fame. And I will go as far to say that he is a distinct reason why there are less Patriots in the Hall of Fame than should be currently. When you look at other dynasties, it's almost assured that the, that the most consistent left tackle from those dynasties, which usually only last 10 years, make the Hall of Fame. Why has Matt Light never gotten a sniff? Like, I'm not, like, argue his stats. All, he's never gotten a sniff. Why has Richard Seymour not been a first balloter as, at that point in time, the best defensive end on that dynasty team? Why do players consistently need to jump through hoops for the Patriots? And it's because Ron Borges made a career on undermining the success of people he's now trying to pump up so that any argument he makes for them to make the hall can immediately be, be disproven in the eyes of the media by articles that Ron Borges himself has written. This is not the person that should be presenting anybody for the hall. It would be akin to the parent of, it would be akin to the parent of a murdered child being the judge in a murder trial. They are going to want justice and they're going to look and say, if somebody says they did it, they did it. Like that's not fair to anybody involved. And players are not going to get their fair shake until it's Mike Reese or until it's Jeff Howe or until it's somebody who has some small amount of self-respect and has not sold out for a one-way trip to Take Island. Ron Borges should never be presenting these Hall of Famers. It is a hill I'm willing to die on. And if he's still presenting them next year, this will happen again. This is this is pretty crazy. And what do you, what do we have to do to get Mike Reese to, pre to present these Hall of Fame uh, nominees? What do we have to do? Is it a, a petition? They have to pay? I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes. Ron Borges, as, as the guy doing it, is like if a Patriots fan was trying to present Rex Ryan to the Hall of Fame. Like it's never going to come out that they <laughs> actually want him in. It's it's just they're going to read some words off a piece of paper to make it seem like they're going through the motions just to do it, and that's exactly what he does. I think I listened mm -hmm. to his uh, his I can't even call it an argument. Whatever it was, it was like someone reading a a paragraph from a children's book is the way he wrote it. He read it, and and at the end there was no there's no conviction, there's no gusto, there's nothing that makes anyone in that room want to vote for him into the hall of fame, even though they should just use their minds, you know, their brains and just look at what he did in his career. You're making, you're making a bold assumption that sports writers have brains. Whoops. That never do that. Never assume they have brains. No, they don't. And it, especially when it comes to Boston media, that that's a, a given. Uh, Dan, your final thoughts. Um, I'll make mine quick, but the big thing, in, and I've talked about this earlier, is, and it's really early to talk about this, but the coach of the year nomination in the NFL. And it goes back to what we were talking earlier about how the media puts certain coaches on a pedestal because they're the cool guy. They said, they said really funny things or, oh my God, he went for it on fourth. Or did you see this play? It was so crazy versus this guy's all about wins. And Bill Belichick said it perfectly today. I'd like our identity to be about winning games. That's what his he wants the identity of the Patriots to be. And I know people think that's boring. They want it to be, oh, we're this team where we do stylish play action or we do a lot of deep throws. And Bill is winning games with a team that everyone shit on four weeks into the season. 
saying, this is a failure. This is a wash. You wasted all that money in free agency. Is Mac Jones even good? Everyone questioned it and look where we are now. And everyone wants this guy Staley from the, the Chargers because he talks to the media and he gives all these little tidbits about the way he thinks about society. And, and oh, that's, oh, that's so woke, man. That's so great. They, they just love, they eat that shit up. Or it's Sean Payton, which Sean Payton's in the conversation. That, that's a shit show over there. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, he doesn't have Kamar, Kamar's injured. Michael Thomas situation screwed. But And he's not doing anything without those players. But you know what? You didn't have a plan for after Drew Brees. If we're going to be fair about not having a plan about Tom Brady, you didn't have a plan for after Drew Brees. Anyways, all the coaches in the nominations right now, you got to give it to Bill. He went from a seven and nine season with literally nothing. And now he's doing amazing things. He's, he's in way up in the playoff race right now. And I think there's a potential to do some, some really great things in the season. And I know it's early, but if you, especially as a Patriots fan, and I see in the comments, Patriots fans saying, Oh, it's gotta be McDermott. It's gotta be, it's gotta be, Oh, it's gotta be Staley. It's like, what are you watching? Or it's gotta be LaFleur. It's, it's gotta be your coach. If you don't think your coach at his age with a rookie QB, isn't amazing what he's doing right now, then don't be a fan here. Go be a fan of Arians in Tampa who doesn't even coach. He gives the reins over to the QB because he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. He even throws – anytime anything goes wrong, he throws his QB under the bus. So to me, Belichick deserves to be coach of the year because he's going to make the playoffs. And if he makes the playoffs, it's without a doubt what should be happening. But the media just doesn't want to see it happen. And I think – you know, we all know this. The awards mean nothing. It's all about the real championship. It's all that really matters. I subscribe I mean, to all. Okay, Steve. Well, sorry, but if you want, I mean, to make a point about him being coach of the year, um, they started one and three with a rookie quarterback. They now have uh, the first place in the AFC East, and there's a very realistic chance that they could finish. Um, is it thirteen and four now? Is what they what it would be? There's a there's a realistic chance that they don't lose the rest of the way. I know that's I know that's like there's a, chance they, there's a chance they get the one seed. There's would, there's a would, there's a very realistic chance that they got the one seed in the AFC. There's a very realistic people. chance that this team started one and three and will finish thirteen and four or twelve and five. And it'd be the it'd be the first year only one team gets the home field advantage throughout. And this would be the perfect opportunity oh for Bill God. to take advantage of that. But I'm not going to get ahead of – I don't really want to get ahead of myself, like I said. But like you said, Steve, there's potential here. And we didn't even think we'd be at the spot. Or, you know, we may have, but most of Patriots fans and media did not think we'd be here. And now everyone's acting like – back to the you – know, I know we want to make this point at some point, Jack, but you went from uh, – you know, no one's talking about, you know, they're not insignificant to – now they're overrated immediately we just went over that hill in like a few weeks but i'll end my I, rant. I, I, I subscribe to everything about your argument dan but in, in my my thought is the coach of the year is not really the coach of the year it's the who sucks the media's ass most award and again dan campbell would get that award in spades if, if they actually gave gave it to, all you had to say was, was biting, the thing all he had to say was biting knees off and man just 
that coach of the so, year. That's why, wins, Bill coach of the year. that's why Bill Belichick has only won the award once because again, he's not, he's not the media's friend. And when you are, that's, that's when good things happen to you. So that's the lesson there. Always be, always be kind to me. Not except on, on the entitled podcast network. That's not what we do. Um, but anyway, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the, well, like for the email and also Vinny, where, where were you at this week, buddy? Entitled um, <laughs> weekend at gmail.com is the email address. Again, I will link that article that I was talking about, about the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Are you going to choose either the media or are you going to choose the players who play? Um, I'll, I'll post that on at Entitled Weekend on Twitter. You can follow Steve at Reisner underscore Steven. You can follow Bill at the Fib 0624. You can follow Dan at Judon Sack Lunch. You can follow me at Atomic Dog 5150. And we will be back next week. Until next time, turn off your radio, slugs. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that.